0: Thank you so much for joining me, Helena.
1: My pleasure.
0: Um, I, I guess the first question is, is probably the question we're all asking everybody, um, <laughs> and ourselves and our friends and our family is is how are you coping these days? What are you doing?
1: Well, lots of podcast recordings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Over
0: Skype and Uh, the phone, I'm hoping.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't even imagine what it's like for the majority of the people out there. I feel like, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. And, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, you know, no matter who you are, where you are, what situation you're in, I think it's, it's, the unknown is always very scary. And, um, and so you kind of just got to take it day by day and, um, you know, there are people who've experienced, you know, uh, greater things than this before and sure. they overcome it. So, you know, all we can do is take it day by day for me personally. Um, it's interesting. I actually, uh, I feel like I've been quarantined or self-isolating for the last six weeks already.
0: Oh, I, Okay.
1: Yes, I had, I had surgery on my wrist in early oh. February. So it's not that I was completely self-isolated since then, but definitely my activities have been limited. And so I feel like I'm a pro at this. I feel like I, I've got this under wraps. I know how to be at home for long periods of time. As why, it did you
0: have, why did you have surgery on your wrist
1: I broke my wrist when I was 13 years old. I was rollerblading, uh, uh-huh. racing with my stepbrother. <laughs> and I fell and broke my wrist. And apparently, and I didn't know this for for many, many years, but apparently, one of the bones in my wrist didn't heal properly. And so I hope nobody's squeamish when they're <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> but one of the bones didn't heal properly. And so it's kind of sticking up a little bit like you would never know it I mean I could feel it under my skin but okay um so the tendons in my hand every time I would open and close my hand the tendons would rub against that bone and my doctor kind of gave me this awful visual of he said you know imagine a rock and you take a rope and you kind of push that rope back and forth along that rock. And that's Aye. sort of what my tendons are doing. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I said too. And so we decided to do a surgery to get rid of that little bone and, and hopefully um, put myself in a position where I wouldn't have those tendons eventually rupture on me. And when he opened me up, it turned out that one of them already had, which wow. meant... Yeah, much bigger surgery and longer recovery time. Um, so I was in a cast for two weeks, and now I've been in a splint for going on five weeks now. I think, okay. sort of losing track of the days. But um, so yeah, so I've been I've been I've been at home a lot, and oh, right. uh, things that I could still do while doing that, I can still do now. So things I do a lot of voice work. Okay. And so. You know, I don't I don't need the use of my hand to be able to do that. Yeah. And and now with everything that's happening, voice work is kind of one of those things that you can kind of still do. A lot of the auditions happen from home or just based off your voice demo.
0: Yeah.
1: Normally, then when you book a gig, you would go into the studio, of course, to do the record with you know the, the engineers and the directors and producers and the client and, and everything, but um, I don't know. Everything's kind of shifting right now, just in the last couple days, and so we're you know we have a home studio here, and we're um, making some upgrades in order to be able to potentially do some studio quality recordings from home.
0: Ah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And ha- has anything been canceled for you? Like any any. Um... Uh, like, like tapings or anything like that
1: no nothing for me um because of my wrist i haven't i haven't been auditioning or anything i haven't been able to i sort of was on a on a hiatus so mm-hmm. professionally for me no um, but i do have lots of friends that that it's happened to um, a lot of productions are being put on hold yes. uh, i think everywhere right now and i was just reading um i was just reading yesterday that uh, they were talking about looking into the idea of being able to have reduced crews on set as a as a measure to be able to continue production um, yeah. while not having, you know, sometimes you can have one hundred people on set in any given moment. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. and maybe a really neat opportunity too, because you know, the film and television industry is 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 a magical. One, first mm-hmm. of all, but but also it's um, it it's really grueling work for a, a lot of people who work behind the scenes, especially sure. um, who are there for, you know, 15, 16, 18, 20 hour days sometimes. And so this idea of potentially limiting the number of people who are on set and, and in turn limiting the number of hours that they're on set, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe there's something positive that can come out of this for for the entertainment industry
0: yeah and and who knows how long this uh coronavirus yeah epidemic is going to last or pandemic i mean however we define it but you know this this whole idea of working from home uh isolating yourselves not going to concerts movies dinners um, social gatherings mm-hmm.
1: uh
0: I, I wonder how long it's going to last and and if there's if it's going to change anything, you know, a year a year from now, are we still going to be? Am I still going to be doing all my podcasts through Skype, or will I go back into a studio or location?
1: Right, like, will you crave that social interaction? Right. Yeah. You know, we we live in this day and age where so much of everything we do is online and where everybody's addicted to their phones and Mm -hmm. social media and, and I don't know, maybe having, maybe it's, there'll be such a tremendous amount of, uh, our time put into only being able to connect online that we'll get frustrated with it and return to the good old days of talking to people face to face. Once you're yeah. allowed to, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, are you a Trekkie by any chance? <laughs> yes.
1: Are you looking <laughs> at my are you looking at my site <laughs> profile <picture>? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I looked at it, I go, hey, wait a second, I know that. Um
1: I, I am. I I'm a total trekkie. Uh-oh. I'm like I feel like there are definitely people out there who are way more Trekkie than I am but uh-huh, uh-huh. also definitely way more Trekkie than a lot of other people
0: <laughs> yes yes and I'm, I am not a a, a Trekkie fan by by any sense of the imagination but oh, um, we can't be
1: I, friends anymore
0: oh my goodness <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll tell you this so I don't know how many years ago or how many decades ago I was in England um, and and you know, but remember letters, people used to write letters. <laughs>
1: <That's> so, <probably. laughs>
0: so I remember after after this trip, I, I would write to to my cousin and I would sign off L uh, L A P Live Long <laughs> and Prosper. Um, and like forever and then and then email was invented. Damn, I, I'm sounding old now. But <laughs> <laughs> but then we started emailing and I would still sign off LLAP. Right. So, um, yeah, so that that sign on, on your avatar is familiar to me for sure.
1: Yes, I definitely, I I grew up in a Star Trek household. My, <laughs> mom, my okay. mom was a huge Trekkie, you know, she grew up on the original series. And then <clears> when <throat> I was growing up, it was all about the next generation. And I remember, like, they used, next generation used to play, this is, again, I'm going to age myself. This is back in the day when you had to watch TV at a certain time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: And it was, it would play like Saturdays at seven. And this is also before the days of cell phones and all that. You know, we had a home phone and I, I, it was drilled into me that that phone better not ring between seven and 8 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> I had to tell my friends, guys, you can't call me Saturdays at seven at Star Trek. I didn't want to miss it either. But I also wanted to talk to my friends. But if that sure. phone rang, it I was in I was in big trouble. So I, yeah I grew up I grew up watching I mean I watched all of the original series and reruns and then I grew up watching wow. Next Generation and I grew up oh, I had. I had a life-size poster of Captain Jean-Luc Picard in my bedroom. Mm -mm. I had posters (laughs) of the movies. Like, we would do, my mom and I would do Star Trek marathons several times throughout the year. I went to some kind of, I don't know if it was Comic-Con or something, when I was probably, like, nine. And Jonathan Frakes was there. and You know, like, all these... um, all these things that influenced me as i as i was growing up and, and oh my goodness star trek was a huge huge influence on me
0: and now are you watching isn't there a new show called picard out
1: oh my gosh yes <laughs> yes yeah, so are
0: you watching i'm guessing there's you're watching so much, that.
1: there's so much new star there like there so yeah so the most recent one is picard yeah and it's amazing it, okay. I, I okay so i actually went um uh, I, through a friend, got tickets to be able to go see um, a live taping uh, of the show, The Social. that shoots here in in Toronto, mm-hmm. and um, oh yeah, yeah. And and my mom was in town, and I said, you know, do you want to go do this thing, go see this live taping? And you know, she's she's not really. Uh, into going to these types of things as much as I am, okay. but uh, I said, "I know, Mom, I know, I know, I know." But Patrick Stewart is going to be there, Captain Jean Luc Picard, and she she was all in once once she heard that. And so we went <laughs> to this live taping, and and you know she like got down on her hands and knees in front of him and was like declaring her love and all. It was <laughs> just, yeah, it was it was like full circle. It was amazing. Um, wow. But yeah, the Picard Show, definitely watching it every week. And then there's also uh, Discovery, which actually shoots here in Toronto. Um, Okay. And my husband's an actor, and he's actually been on it. I'm
0: super jealous about Oh, my goodness.
1: I know. I know. It's He's pretty... living your life. He, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you know, having two actors in the house household, people always say, "Isn't that hard? Don't you, don't you compete?" And it's like, "No, no, 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 no." We're always super supportive, and and, and, and what someone books is always great for the family kind of thing. Except the Star Trek, like except the Star that Trek, was one. the one where I was like, "Man, <laughs> that's what I want to be on." <laughs> So if the creators Star Trek Discovery are listening, I'm ready. <laughs> they need to.
0: They need to see your Skype uh, icon there. I think that's I what know. they need.
1: Oh man, I'd love to play a Vulcan. That would be amazing.
0: How How many years have you been acting now?
1: I I like or to, in the business. Yeah, I like to say I've been a like I've been a member of the uh, the Actors Union here in Canada um, yeah. since. Uh, 2011. So this will be my ninth year. Okay. And um, I also um, you know, I I did some stuff before then, but I guess you got to kind of like figure out a a timeline of like when it is that you became a professional. Mm. As you're doing, kind of like when you start dating someone, right? It's like when do we (laughs) we start dating? Is it the first first kiss? The first (laughs) sleep? You know, when do you say? (laughs) So for me, yeah, I started. I became a professional actor in in in
0: 2011 oh my goodness I, I saw so a couple of questions there now so yes. <laughs> I, I, have you have you had this discussion with your your husband or when he was your boyfriend like what do we you know did you have that when is the when is the important date did you have that conversation with him
1: oh my goodness you know google calendars yeah yeah like share a google calendar there, there are probably like seventeen different dates in our shared Google calendar that that have a, a, a storyline of <laughs> of our relationship. It was like the first date, and then it was like when we moved in together, and then it was like when we got engaged and got married, and all those obvious dates. But yeah, yeah. there's 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 plenty of them. I mean, we definitely it's it's never something that we've disagreed upon rather we've just like added as many dates as we possibly uh, could oh
0: well, that's nice because <laughs> yeah. I remember having that conversation with uh my then girlfriend now wife uh I remember ta- or I remember talking on the phone back when you know talking on the phone was a thing as well um and, and I remember asking her you know what what do we call this thing and she's like what thing I go this thing that we're doing she goes We're we're dating I go Oh, we are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Since when? What date was that? <laughs> right. <laughs> so 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 when you said that, I go, Oh, that brings up memories.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. I think it's something that uh, everybody's been through at least once. Yeah. <laughs> so but thank so goodness uh, for calendar rolls I wouldn't remember any of them.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Or even this there's this app that I have. I, I know Facebook does it, but I know there's this app that I have called Time Hop. Oh um, I don't know that so, one. Yeah, so you, you connect literally everything. So your 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 Instagram, your Facebook, um, Twitter, and Google Photos. And so, so like for today, for example, any photos in the past that I either took today or uploaded today or shared today um, will show up. Um, even even tweets, so I can go back and go, oh, this happened a year ago.
1: Oh, goodness. You know, I, do you ever get any tweets that you're like, oh. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> My opinion um, has changed.
0: <laughs> well, there was, I have to tell you, there was one where um, I think I took a photo way back when with Gian Gomeshi. Um, and and that popped up and I go, uh-oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, well, um, you didn't
1: know, right?
0: No, no. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Um, I don't know when it was, last week or the week before, um, Harvey Weinstein got... Um, Got basically a life sentence, I think. Yeah. Um. Are are things have things changed? Are things changing for
1: women in the entertainment industry? Yes, I I would say they are. I think I think you know when a system when a system has existed for so long, um, it's it's tough for mm-hmm. those changes to, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, and for us to even have any of those changes happen at all, you have to have those groundbreakers, mm-hmm. right? All, all those people that came forward, uh, about him. And it's, it's a process for sure. And I think, you know, what what the craziest thing is too, is that like, There've been so many, um, so many times over the last couple of years since all of that has come out that I've had some really confusing discussions with people in my life because, oh. well, it's 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 interesting when you. Uh, I, I think I've been pretty fortunate in my life compared to many, but like when you grow up um, a woman, there are things that you just you just are used to because it's it's part of the way that people interact with you Mm -hmm. and when all these stories started coming out about all these bad men who had done these things it was like yeah (laughs) you know I was almost I was almost dumbfounded that that I I didn't realize that like a lot of men in my life didn't realize that that's what I had been subjected to or what other people had been subjected to. And so it's like, I feel like it's been a wake up call for men because mm-hmm. women have known this all along. We've always been whistled at. We've always, our butts have been slapped or, you know, like that. And that's just the beginning. And, and it's something that when you grow up with that, you kind of feel like it becomes normal. Um, and it doesn't become okay, but it becomes what part of your part of how you go through life and I think that you know now that that everything has really come out that change is happening you're seeing more gender parity in 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 writing rooms and Mm -hmm. you know the the meetings that used to take place in hotel rooms aren't happening anymore and I think I think uh I think it will get better and better as the years goes, as the years go by.
0: Wow, do you have these conversations with your husband?
1: Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, because you know you gotta. Hmm. Um, it's. And you know there are some things that are very obviously you know good or bad, and then there are like there's there's these zones in the middle where everybody's kind of like okay, but how do we deal with this kind of situation, and what do you do if it's the first time that somebody's said an off comment and what do you do if it's the 10th time and what do you um there's actually the a a group that's been put together here in toronto called after me too and it's a group of women that, that have come together and they are basically trying to figure out okay well we know what happened, we all agree it's bad. Now what do we do? And how do we how do we implement change into things like the entertainment industry and and protecting the people that, that work in this industry and you know creating a system where you know maybe it's not the same person who hands out our checks that's also dealing with our grievances about abuse or mistreatment. Mm. And you know, these are these are important. They're they're hard discussions to have, but I think the more we talk about it, and the more um, honest and open we are, the more that everybody will just start to think the same way and 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 have a clearer path of, of how we go forward in a in a positive environment that's healthy for everyone.
0: Yeah, this reminds me. I was reading something about you. Um... Where the role that you got was supposed to be a guy it was yeah. written for a guy, and you got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell tell me about
1: that. Bet that guy's really upset. Oh my! God. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it, it, it was a great great experience. Basically, I okay. So there was this show. Um, uh-huh. uh, it, it's called Bullet in the Face. And I had auditioned to play the leading lady in the show, but ugh, I was way too young to play. It, and I was still—I was like barely just starting out, so I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And uh, so I didn't get it, and that's fine. And a couple weeks later, I was—I was shooting um, an indie film in Montreal, and it was—we were shooting in this beautiful hotel in Old Montreal, and we were working on set one day and literally in the in the middle of a take a random patron <coughs> of this hotel walked walked into our set not walked into our set walked in front of the camera just didn't you know kind of you don't expect to be like in your hotel and walk going to get on the elevator and there's a film crew in there yeah yeah and uh and we had a good laugh and we all we all kind of hung out later together and um, we talked about Star Trek, and <laughs> it comes up a lot. And and it turns out that this this gentleman who had popped into our set accidentally was the creator of Bullet in the Face, the show that I had auditioned for. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, and he, you know, kind of said something like, "Well, you sh- you should be in my show." I was like, "Yeah, I know. I auditioned for it. I didn't get it." <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and that was sort of the end of that, and um, I finished my shoot and went back to Toronto and then a couple of days later, I got a call from my agent, and she was very confused as well, and she said, "You know you I have an audition for you it's uh It's for bullet in the face." I was like, "Oh, cool. Like maybe it wasn't just that Hollywood talk of like you should be on my show
0: yeah. and
1: um and she goes, yeah, but it's uh, the role is for a man, and we kind of like both sat in silence with that for a minute, yeah. and then I was like, "Am I supposed to play a man?" <laughs> <laughs> she said, "I don't think so. I think they'll just change it." Like, but this, you know, that it it wasn't. It, I guess it wasn't really a common thing that she had experienced. And I was, I was new, so I'd never experienced it either. Yeah. And anyway, I, I did the audition and I got the part and, wow. and <laughs> it was great. And there wasn't, you know, and this is another thing too, you know, talking about like, people are always like, well, how do I, how do I write? Oh, how do I, you know, write a woman into my script? And it's like, literally just, take half the men in your script and just change it for a woman like there's, there's not a lot of I think um it doesn't have to be so complicated Mm -hmm. right It, it doesn't have you know it's like well why can't this person be played by that person like there's no there's no reason why you can't it's just maybe historically we've always thought like okay well So in this scene, there's a, there's an accountant. So he's, he's typing his numbers away. And it's like, well, why isn't she? Why isn't she an accountant? She's typing Uh her numbers, away. Like, it's just that simple, right? And and that and so it was, you know, I think it was a, a super cool experience for me to have to be able to have that kind of interaction and then and then, you know, end up having this part kind of subtly changed to make it for for a woman to play and and I think it's something that's happening more and more nowadays. Good. Yeah.
0: That's and, good. And, and and was that your first like proper professional I'm getting paid gig?
1: Basically, like I I mean I I had done a couple of short films and like an indie feature, but it was all non-union before mm. that point and so bullet came right around the time when I was I had become union and just comparatively to the other projects that I'd been a part of this one was a professional gig like there was there was a call sheet there was you know a a big crew they had a huge budget there's craft
0: services. Um,
1: oh yeah, there were craft services. There was, you know, like it was, it was everything. It, and it, I was terrified to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, and they put me in five inch heels. And I'm, I'm tall. I'm five nine. So they put me in five inch heels. <laughs> it didn't help my nerves at all. I was, oh, I was, my goodness. It was more shaky. But, um, I got through it, and it was great. And and I met some really nice people. And 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 felt like a real actor.
0: Wow, <laughs> I've read that you used to be in a choir in Toronto.
1: I was in a choir in Montreal. So oh, I, I
0: was in Montreal. Okay.
1: I grew up. I grew up in Montreal, and so when I was a kid, I I danced and I sang. So I went to ballet school and I did jazz class, and I would sing. At my church choirs, and then the school choirs, and then the regional choirs. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I always loved dancing and singing. I, don't, I never really took it seriously. Uh-huh. I never, I mean, on, to be quite honest, um, discipline has been something I've had to have discipline to learn <laughs> how to have. Okay, and and so um, I just, I enjoyed singing. I enjoyed dancing. And yeah, I, uh, I did that all through growing up. It was just so much a part of my life. Um, I took piano lessons too, not for very long. My mom was a piano teacher too, and she tried to teach me, and I quit after two lessons because having your parents ah. teach you <laughs> <it's> just...
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: not a good student but you don't
0: yeah you don't no one listens to their parents
1: <laughs> no yeah I just remember sitting there at the piano and if I'd hit the wrong note she'd she'd sing the correct note for me and I would just yell out that's not helping <laughs> <laughs> I know what it's supposed to sound like <laughs> so Helena
0: you you never did you ever go into like theater at all
1: I did a little okay so I I I took drama my last year of high school and mm-hmm. absolutely fell in love. Until that point, I, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I wanted to become a doctor. I was very much oh. into math. And um, and finally was convinced into taking taking drama the last year of high school. And I fell in love because it was like, I don't know. It was kind of this combination of dancing and singing and not having to, I don't know. My outlook on acting has changed since I was Mm. 14, 15, but I guess then it was, it felt like I, I could, I could be somebody else. And, um, and that just felt really freeing. You know, you're a teenager. You don't want to be yourself when you're a teenager. Oh yeah. When you can like incorporate, you know, doing a, a silent movement piece that you know is is has music to it and then maybe a monologue that's been pre-written for you someone else is telling you the words to say you can't blame it on yourself for saying something you shouldn't have or something silly it's like no somebody else wrote this so I get to I get to perform that and um, so I I totally fell in love I totally fell in love and I won the drama award when I graduated that was my first Ah nice and
0: congratulations
1: thank you <laughs> and i i then i went to theater school after that um i decided to not go into pure and applied sciences which had been my plan for so many years up until that point and i i went to theater school i went to a theater school in montreal called dawson college and it was terrifying
0: <laughs> wow
1: i think everything is when you're a teenager right um but it was it was great and um i think it was it was terrifying for me because i was i don't know being in in high school and and doing drama and feeling like at, i was at like the top of my game just felt mm-hmm. so great and so powerful and then going into theater school where it's like i learned that there existed um Theatrical high schools that many of the students had gone to and so they they knew all of the Shakespeare plays and, and they could do all these funny accents and they had all of these skills that I didn't have. And so it was intimidating for sure, um, but also exhilarating to be surrounded by everything artistic and and, and I just I soaked in as much of it as I possibly could.
0: Wow. And so throughout post-secondary college university, you, that was your focus. You wanted to be an actor.
1: I did. I did for the duration of the time that I, that I was in that program. And, um, my first year after theater school, I went to New York city and I, I stage managed a play at the fringe festival in New York city mm. and oh my gosh, I was 17. I turned, I turned 18 on opening night of the play and it was <laughs> like a whole new world for me. I was, I mean, I was in New York and buying $5 plates of pasta that I would eat for three days, you know, cause I had no money. Yeah. And, and, at the time of my life, and I loved every single second of it. And then um, I came back, I left New York, and I went back to Montreal to start my second year of theater school. And 10 days after I left, it was 9 11. Oh, yeah. And um, I stayed at school for a couple more weeks, and then I I left the program. I it's 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 interesting to look back at it now so many so many years later you know when one crisis happens people respond in different ways you know and some people yeah. turn towards the arts and some people turn away and i i think some part of me thought that i i still didn't i still didn't see how i could make a difference or have a purposeful life pursuing acting because it felt like so much fun. Yeah. It almost felt like uh, I had to do something, I don't know, that made me suffer more or something, something ridiculously artistic like that. But, um, so I, I left the program and, uh, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. What, what did you go towards?
1: <laughs> Nothing exciting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I worked, um, I worked a bunch of different jobs. I worked, um, at one of the universities in Montreal. I worked as an admin assistant for a nonprofit organization. Uh-huh. I did a little bit of home renovations for a while. Wow. Uh, I dabbled. I dabbled and, um, and I, I didn't just leave theater school. I stopped everything. I stopped dancing. I stopped (laughs) singing. I, uh, you know, I really, I really turned my back on everything and it took me a couple years to, you know, be ready to fully commit to wanting to be an actor and, and to kind of allow myself to, to do that. And, uh, and it was interesting because I've always been somebody who, uh, I dream a lot. I mean, I think we all dream a lot, right? But Mm -hmm. some some people remember their dreams. Some people don't. Some people are like, yeah, I dreamt I went to the store and that's it. I don't know. I've always had these epic, epic dreams that I. And
0: you remember them.
1: I do, and I write them down as often as oh, I, as often that's what as I should do. I oh, oh, it's so great! It's such a great experience. Um, the best, the best ideas, the best story ideas come from your dreams. I think I remember hearing that Avatar was a dream that James Cameron had, not just like a dream to make Avatar. Like they literally dreamt the movie Avatar and then wrote it. Wow! And uh, and so you know, I'm trying to be the next James Cameron, and I write down my dreams, but at that point in my life, uh, I had no art in it. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I stopped dreaming or if I just didn't remember them anymore, but it, I, there was a void, there was a void for sure. And, um, and so slowly and carefully, I started to incorporate, um, art back into my life. I I started. I took dance lessons here and there, mm-hmm. and I started taking some acting classes. I started doing some theater. I started doing um, just whatever I could get my hands on, uh, anything and everything. Student films, short films, indie films, and and bit by bit, I started to dream again. And I started to remember my. Beautiful epic dreams and I just I just said you know what I I have to do this and um and let go of whatever the the fears were and and just go for it. That is amazing. How did you how
0: did you recognize that you weren't remembering your dreams? Like was that over time? You go wait a second. I'm not writing down anymore. Yeah, I think. What
1: happened? I, I I don't remember. Like there wasn't like a specific moment, but definitely, definitely, it was like a gradual. Like, huh? I don't really remember. I don't really remember the last time I I dreamt something, you know. And looking back through my my notebooks and. Just kind of realizing that over time, I think it had just started to slip away gradually from me.
0: That's wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and how? Yeah, I don't
1: know. How, <laughs> the body has a, a weird way of communicating to us sometimes.
0: Yeah. How How long until that? You know, when when you started getting back into things and, um, I guess exercising that side of your brain and, um. I guess bringing happiness back into your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, how long until I guess bullet in the face and some of those bigger indie things started coming to you?
1: Hmm. Oh, timelines, timelines. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull up my Google calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I probably started dabbling with taking some classes. In two thousand eight, okay. two thousand nine, I started doing some short films um, and some theater and and more classes. Just as many classes as I could get my hands on.
0: Sure. Did you ever go back to to acting school itself, or uh,
1: not to college? No, I, to, okay. I no, I took I took. Um, I guess not private classes because they were group classes, but yeah, yeah. Different things. Like I, I studied with different different teachers in Montreal, and I, I took Meisner and 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 just all these sort of different techniques. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I was hungry and and didn't really know where to begin. And so I guess I started that yeah in two thousand eight two thousand nine. And then in 2010, 2010, forgive me if I'm getting these dates wrong. I'm trying to remember. But I think in 2010, I did um, my first musical. And that was, that was like such an inspiring thing to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, We did Reefer Madness, the musical. Oh, okay. Which, I don't know if you're if you're familiar with it. There was this like propaganda video that was out, know, 15, and um, it was basically all about you know the dangers of smoking marijuana. Yeah, yeah. And so this musical was written as a parody to that, and that I don't know. There was something about that experience because we did we just, we did a three week run and we were sold out like every night. Wow And it was it was impossible to not have the best time of your life every single day doing that show because it was so ridiculous and so extreme, and the audiences just adored every second of it. Um, you know, like my my big musical number was um, this this, uh, it was called the orgy and and everybody was dressed in these like, see-through beige unitards with pot plants strategically placed over their nether regions.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it was just, it was a, a blast. And, and I feel like when I did that, that musical, it was like, it was the first time that I felt, I don't know what, what's the right way to express it. It, it was definitely the first time that I felt like what I was doing could at least have the purpose of making people laugh and as simple as that sounds it mm-hmm. it really had an effect on me and seeing the smiles on people's faces crying with laughter um yeah, it was an amazing experience. And then I guess it was about I guess about a year later I moved to Toronto and I became part of the union and then and then I booked Bullet. Look at that. Yeah.
0: Why now why did you come to Toronto?
1: Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it was a combination of things. Firstly, like, I grew up in Montreal, but um, I have a lot of family um, in and around Toronto. So I would come to the outskirts, like what I thought Toronto was when I was six was like, Oshawa. (laughs) (laughs) For anybody familiar (laughs) with it's not Toronto. Uh, Sorry, Oshawa. (laughs) but uh yeah, so I, I had I had familiarity with it, and um it definitely seemed like a bigger i mean it is a bigger city, and it, in terms of the industry, it felt like that's where it all happens, you know, gotta be in Toronto, and you know, actors actors will always come up with these little things that they love to say to each other to like, you know, pass the time and laugh and make themselves feel good about the situation they're in. And one of the things was always like, well, if you want to work in Montreal, you got to move to Toronto. And it was, (laughs) you know, and it's, and it's like, well, in some ways, sure. I mean, there's definitely lots of amazing actors who've never left Montreal who still work a ton in Montreal, but you know, I think everybody has their own path. And I, and for me, I was ready for a change. I was ready for a change of scenery and Mm -hmm. I was ready to feel like I was doing something that was going to be a progressive step at trying to achieve the next level in my career. And so I felt like Toronto, that, that was it for me. Like, that's what I needed to do as the next step. And, and it, it just totally coincidentally Happened that the day I was moving to Toronto, um, I, it was the same day I became ACTRA. I remember I went to the ACTRA office in Montreal and signed a check, <laughs> gave them all my money, and then yeah. off in the car and drove to Toronto. And then wow. of course for the first like year that I was here, I was really in Montreal the whole time because I was finally union. So the casting directors in Montreal, you know, had some more flexibility with what they were able to hire me for. And so I was, I would wow. hop in my car and go back for anything and everything. I would go back for commercial auditions. And, wow. and, and at that time doing self tapes, you know, the auditions that, that you do on your own from home wasn't really a big thing. Now it's like such a huge part of our industry sure. now. Yeah, we have a studio at home, and and it, it saves everybody a lot of money to be able to do it that way. Not necessarily a lot of time, because maybe I think on the casting and production side of things, maybe they're having to look through a lot more. But, um, but certainly at some point, it's, it's saving money for people at some point down the road.
0: Yeah. So are, are you feeling the magnet of Hollywood?
1: Why did you hear anything? Did they? Call no. T- oh my goodness. <laughs> no.
0: So no. So you, you you come to Toronto to work in Montreal. I wonder if that's the same thing. You go to Hollywood to be able to work in Toronto or to really
1: be able to work anywhere. Yeah, that is what they say. If you want to work in Canada, you got to move to the states. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's the same thing, and again it's like. There are lots of people who never leave Canada who have great careers that uh-huh. I'm sure are happy for all of the decisions they made. And then there are a ton of people who have moved who have amazing careers. And there's a ton of people who've moved who don't have careers at all. You know, so sure. again, it's 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 a personal it's a personal choice for everyone. Uh-huh. Um, I definitely. Have lost a lot of my friends to LA, and I miss them dearly. And I and I and I get to see them, not nearly often enough.
0: But uh-huh.
1: um, yeah, for me, uh, for me, there's a couple reasons why I want to be in LA, and I think that you know, I don't I don't mean to sound so cliche, but the winter, oh, the winter, I can't, I just can't do it anymore.
0: Oh, my goodness. I was afraid you were going to say you love the winter. No. I was going to hang up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. No. People always say to me, they're like, what? I'm like, um, I try not to. I really try not to be that person who's always complaining about weather. But it comes out sometimes and people always say to me, but you're from Montreal. You grew up mm. with ten times as much snow and it's so much cool. that they, they, You should be used to it. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not used to it. I have PTSD sure. from it. I'm, I'm wow terrified ah, i and hate the winter oh my so, goodness i mean regardless of the industry yeah i want i i for my happiness level and the things that i enjoy doing and, and what i know about myself and and what i accomplish in certain conditions i want to be where it's warmer um
0: well, well now you're stuck We're all stuck here. <laughs> I
1: no, know. I know, I know. But I will. I will say this. I will say this though. Um, I think that you know, huge, obviously, huge productions come out of the states. Yeah. But some really, really good stuff comes out of Canada too, mm-hmm. and um, so I just, I just want, I want to do both. <laughs> I would love to be able to be in a position where I can split my time, specifically be in LA for the winter and Canada for the summer. Sure. And be You know, because there are so many really cool things that, that shoot here and, and yeah, I just, I want to be a part of it all, but yes, please, somebody please need, needs to let me out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How was it working with the Breakfast Club's Judd Nelson?
1: Judd Nelson, I love him so much. Okay, Judd, how can I describe Judd? Judd is like, he's like your favorite uncle at like the family Christmas party that you didn't really want to go to. But you know that Judd's going to be there. And so you're like, okay, I want to go because he's going to be there. And he's going to tell me some stories that are going to blow my mind.
0: Like, yeah.
1: he, is, he is a storyteller. Like, he, like, he can, his life is just, has been so amazingly crazy. And his personality is just so uh, infectious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I love him. I love him. He was great. He was, it was like, you would never know that he's, like, a superstar and, like, this teen idol. Or, or any, you would never know that because he would never, it, like, that part. I had no idea. I remember we went, so we, we shot and, and he was just so sweet. He gave me this, he, he gave everybody a little gift on our last day of set. And he gave me this tiny little miniature um, book of Shakespeare quotes. Oh, wow. I love that. Like it, it was thoughtful and just made so much sense coming from him. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite interaction with him was at our premiere. Um, so Stagecoach premiered in LA on the Fox lot. It was super cool. Um, I just love being able to say on the Fox lot (laughs) and, uh, and we were all kind of there hanging out and I could see Judd was coming in like from the back door and kind of looking around like, you know, where am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to go? Kind of thing. So I went over to him, gave him a big hug and, you know, so nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. And he, he like, grabs me by the shoulders, and he's like, Elena, your movie. I had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, you won all those awards. And I was like, huh. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Judd Nelson.
0: This was <laughs> your Judd short, N- right?
1: Yeah. Judd Nelson went on to, I guess, IMDB or something, and he IMDB'd me, yeah. and looked like, either watched my demo or watched the short film itself and like read that it had like, Judd Nelson looked me up. I was like, how, what, it it felt amazing. It just felt like, cool. Like I, I look people up, I IMDB everybody, you know, but I didn't think that Judd Nelson was going to do that to <laughs> Oh, I felt pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that is that is neat. Well, yeah. listen, let's let, let's go to that. Let's talk about that that short short film quickly. Sure. Uh, Crazy Love, you you wrote, produced, and acted in it.
1: I did. I did. Uh, tell I did. me, tell me about that whole
0: process. You know, like why you wanted to do this and how it all came together.
1: Sure. Well, it. So I, you know, when acting, a career in acting happens differently for everybody, and when I first started professionally acting, um, like, their roles were few and far between. I I wasn't booking a ton, and the things that I had booked, um, I don't know, they, like, it was fun, and I was super appreciative, but I didn't feel very fulfilled artistically, Mm -hmm. and, I wanted to create and I had been hearing like friends and other people in the industry saying, you know, if you, if you want work, you've got to create your own. And I was kind of always like, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, coming back to that discipline thing we had touched mm-hmm. upon earlier. And finally I, I started to think, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready I think I want to make a short film and for many different reasons I had always wanted to be able to tell the story of a woman who was being um, abused mm-hmm. and tell a story from her perspective in that situation show the people around her in her circle and how they deal with it and um, throw in some revenge. And so I spoke with a really good friend of mine, Carl Van Allen, who's a writer. And I said, look, I, I've i never written anything. I've, I mean, I've written down all my dreams for all these years, but I've never, yeah. I've never written a script. And I said, Can you help me? And he was totally on board because he had was one of those people who had been like, You gotta write your own thing. Yeah. And um, and so I kind of just we went back and forth for a couple of weeks, just sending ideas and just sort of these long streams of consciousness that I would send to him. And we ended up with a script. And I reached out to some friends of mine who are amazing actors. And Everybody wanted to participate, and uh, through another contact, I found a cinematographer mm-hmm. who introduced me to this guy who was kind of just getting into directing, but he'd been in the industry for many, many years as a Steadicam operator. And he came on board as our director, and uh, and I should say the 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 one of the most important important people in this whole thing was actually uh, my friend Steve Daigle who came on board as a producer um and which basically means he handed me a whole bunch of money and was like I believe Ah. in you and I was like "Ooh, great (laughs) I hope I don't mess it up yeah and uh and so yeah we got everybody together one of my girlfriends uh she gave us her house to shoot it in. And it, we shot over two days and it was phenomenal. And everybody was just amazing. And I, oh gosh, like every single second of it, whether things were going well, or we were behind schedule, it didn't matter. Like everybody was happy and everybody was totally, totally on board for it. And, um, so we shot it over two days, finished it up. And uh, I did an Indiegogo campaign to fundraise for post-production because we didn't really have money to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, my, we had a bunch of people, bunch of people, um, generously give money. And then my my aunt actually came on board as EP, and and so she really bundled up a bunch of money for us to be able to finish it. That's awesome. It's really your circle, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, you, I remember, I remember actually when I was doing the musical, when I did Reefer Madness, I remember I was listening to this, some kind of podcast or radio thing. And this woman was talking about how it's so important for you to realize that there are people who are your people Mm -hmm. and there are some who are not. And that's okay. And you can't control that, that they have people that they're rooting for or they're supporting and that you never know like you never know who's going to be able to be there for you and to just be open to whatever you know comes your way and whoever comes your way and honestly the experience of doing crazy love and having so many people um you know give time money energy love support was it was an experience unlike any other and then we went to a bunch of awards and won, went to a bunch of festivals and won a bunch of awards. So that just Look at that. even. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: did. That, now you're an award winning producer yes. <laughs> and actress I'm, and everything. Yeah, I know,
1: right? I love being able to start sentences like that. Mm, I that remind so my cool. husband of it daily. Um, are you really asking the award-winning <laughs> producer to make the call? No, I'm just teasing.
0: <laughs> and and then and then he and then he does the live long and prosper sign to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I remind him. I remind him of like a scene in 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 Crazy Love that because he he was in it. He played <laughs> he played my abuser. Um, oh, that's and, your husband. Yes, that's my husband. Yes, okay. he he. Well, I just. It's very interesting because when we first wrote the script, there was a lot of emotional stuff for him to do. And then towards the end, as we got closer and closer to finalizing the script, I realized I really wanted to feature the abuser as little as possible because I felt like that was um, really an important part of telling the story is not, was not to just not to have that person really have an impact on the story. So he, he put up with a lot in the shooting of that. And, uh, and I, I know that he was, very happy to be a part of it.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um okay, I know I've I've kept you for so long, but uh, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair if we didn't talk about your um your current show that is uh on television. Yes. Um, so My Perfect Landing, you you play a former gymnast mm-hmm. who um who leaves the nice warm weather of Miami to, to come to the three months of summer in Toronto. <laughs> so, tell me about, uh, tell me about the show. What attracted you to, I guess the original script and the story and, and uh, tell me a little bit about the show.
1: So my perfect landing is yeah, exactly what you said. It's so basically when you start off the show, you'll see. Uh, so I'm a widow and I have two children and we're living down in Miami. And, uh, already sort of dealing with this grief that we have in our lives because of the death of my husband. But also at the same time, um, I'm unable to get a job. And my father lives in Toronto, and he and I aren't exactly close. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, my kids love him and he's offering us a fresh start. So we, we move up to Toronto and we decide to open up a gymnastic studio together. And that's, that's really where the show starts off. And, he's, and, and, and yeah, I mean, the, he, so my, so basically the characters are, he, my father, um, he's a former Olympic gymnast. I was a former gymnast. I was on my way to go to the Olympics when an injury prevented me from doing so. And now I have a son and a daughter and my daughter is really into gymnastics, but I, um, I won't let her compete above a certain level basically because I don't want her to get hurt the same way that I did.
0: Ah, interesting. Yeah. So there's a
1: lot, the show has a ton of gymnastics and and there are so many gymnasts on the show. And these little women are just incredibly talented and talk about dedication. They are just phenomenally inspirational. And, um, and then it's the family. So you have the gymnastics side of things. You have the family dynamic. You have the fact that my daughter is wanting to do a certain level of gymnastics that I won't let her do. And you have the mm-hmm. dynamic of my father and I not really um, seeing eye to eye on things it's a it's it's a family show I think there's something in it for everyone um, especially I mean especially if you like gymnastics but aside from that the the relationships are so strong and the show doesn't shy away from really dealing with tough issues like I said there there's already it starts off with a death you know and then mm-hmm. there's there's bullying um there's you know, one of the little girls, her father is away um, fighting for the army. And, you know, there's, there's, they, they deal with a lot of issues that, um, yeah. that will touch people. I, I cry when I watch it. So.
0: <laughs> Did you have, to, are there any scenes of you doing gymnastics?
1: There's a really cute picture of me um, holding <laughs> up some weights. <laughs> when I was like four years old, that is in the show.
0: Okay. Huh.
1: But no, I, I didn't do gymnastics. Um, gosh, looking at these little women doing it now, I'm like, I wish I had. But, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I told, so the girl who plays my daughter, Morgan, um, she plays Jenny in the show. I've told her that, and she's promised me she's going to teach me how to do a cartwheel once and for all. A cartwheel? <laughs> what? That's, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, no,
0: I, I it's, <laughs> listen, we're we're, st- we're trying, to, I'm trying to do that in, uh, I take karate with my son.
1: Uh-huh. And,
0: um, you know, we've got to do those tumbles. And I, I do that and I get up and I'm like all dizzy. And these, these kids are like doing it and giggling and everything. And I go, I don't know. I'm too old for this stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's like, for me, it's, it's, um, it's a fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know how it's supposed to feel when I flip upside down. I, I think it's going to be like, once I really start, it's it's too bad. My wrist is in the condition that it is right now Mm. because I'd love to just start practicing at home. But I I think that it's one of those things. It's going to be like a roller coaster. Like I love roller coasters. Okay. Mm -hmm. But. When I I usually go try to go on a roller coaster three times. The first time I go on the roller coaster, I don't want anyone to talk to me. Yeah. I close my eyes. I cover my ears, like I block my ears so I can't hear anything, and I hum and I do that the whole way on the right.
0: Oh my goodness! I look like a
1: maniac. I do that the whole way, and then the second time, I don't have to block my ears, and I can open my eyes a little bit. And then the third time when I go on, I'm screaming at full blast. I've got my hands up in the air, my feet up in the air, and I'm totally in it. And I feel like that's going to be the same progression for me when I learn how to do things like cartwheels or tumbling. Because I think it's just, it's just a matter of, of practice and dedication.
0: Helena, that's a lot of lining up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I know. It is. You know what I know the trick is? You got to go on a day where it's like October and it's it's like eight degrees outside and it's kind of drizzly. There yeah. is nobody at that theme park, I guarantee you. Nobody. And you, t- will, you will make yourself sick. That's my promise to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, so, or I, I don't know if you've, uh, have you ever had a chance to go to Vienna?
1: No, I went to Italy, but not Vienna.
0: Okay, so so if you're ever in, is it was it Vienna? Yeah, so there's a there's like a fair in Vienna that's like you know all year round, mm. and it's free to get in the fair. Mm. You just pay for the rides, um, and they got some amazing rides, um, and there's no lineups, like really zero lineups. so we were in Europe uh, this past summer. And okay. uh, we said, yeah, let's go to this fair. Why not? And it was amazing. It was, it was, it was really, really fun. Great rides. Some of those scary rides where you know you'd probably want to close your eyes and hum. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was. It, it I was fun. It. No lineup. So if you ever, like if you're ever in Eastern Europe, yeah, um, you can do that. Is this I your
1: think, first? I also, I think also I I'm not allowed to go to Vienna until I realize that that's not in Italy. <laughs>
0: That is fun.
1: All the Vs, they sound the same. And so I was like,
0: wait a second, was it V and was- <laughs> I was like, I know. I was
1: like, wait, I said that and I was like, but wait a minute. I should know uh, this. Yeah.
0: Um, was this your first time working with kids on My Perfect Landing?
1: Uh I've worked with a couple of babies. I Oh
0: I, yeah, I remember seeing a scene with you and a baby. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: I held a baby on supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, That was my first time holding a baby on television. Yeah. And then I had like a toddler in this other MOW that I did. But this is my first time, yeah, really working with kids. And uh, I love it. I love it. They're so, like, they're just, they have so much energy. Like, if anybody's listening to this and you haven't actually had a conversation with somebody under the age of 18 lately, you should do Uh it. Because they are just like bouncing with, energy and it's it's tiring but it's it's inspiring too and it just it's a good reminder of how (laughs) of 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 how we all once were wow
0: um totally different than my 14 year old son (laughs) really he's He's quiet he's he's happy he's happy never never to talk (laughs) yeah if no one's talking well, to me, no nobody talks talk. to
1: his friends. Oh,
0: oh my goodness, he <laughs> is—he is a joke with his friends. He's just—he's yeah—he's a troublemaker sometimes. I think <laughs> with with yeah with his friends. Um Helena, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I really oh, appreciate the time. I know I know it's late. I, I know things are crazy these days, Um, not just here in Toronto but uh, all over the world. But I've had a blast.
1: Me chatting too. With and, you and I'm, I'm here I'm you know the couch is my home now so <laughs> it's my pleasure to spend it chatting with you awesome thanks so much thank you okay so right. uh, stay safe wash your hands stay inside flatten the curb all that fun stuff and uh, watch my perfect landing now available on family Channel and C one last thing. There.
0: <laughs> if, if people want to keep up with your career and and, and, and what you're doing, where where yes. can they go online?
1: You mean like if the producers of Star Trek Discovery want to yes. know how they can hire me?
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: Yes, I am on Instagram. My handle is at underscore Helena Marie. And that's H E L E N A M A R I E. And I also have a website. You can go to W WW- do, do people even say the W is in front of their websites anymore? I feel like the kids don't. You should ask no. your son.
0: Yes, I think the kids I don't. don't.
1: Think he does. Okay, so <laughs> just type in the first three letters that you know what they are. Uh, and then it's officialhelenamarie.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night.